message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruin. Well, grab your Bible. We're 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus the Christ, the Righteous One. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. One of the struggles that preachers have, I don't think it's just me, but one of the struggles that we have is trying to, in any particular passage, find the route that we're going to navigate through on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's, it's very often a challenge for me to just narrow down the things that I want to say. I mean, you, you might think that it would, be, it would be a challenge to figure out what you're going to say. Well, very often it's a challenge to just narrow it down and not say too much. And some of you would say that I, I fail at that challenge very often as we go into 12, 12, 15, especially when you're in the back. You're wondering about my efforts in uh, narrowing it down a little bit. And especially, you know, when we get into a series like this, when we're going through the word, it all is dependent on, on itself, right? And so last week's message should, should do something to teach us about this week's passage of Scripture. And, and it'll say something about next, next week's passage of Scripture. It's all, it's all connected. I mean, it's all context, right, as we go through the word of God. And so as the preacher, it's kind of hard for me not to just want to rewind and just and give you, give you a, a review of everything we said last week and then really tell you about how it's going to impact next week because... I'm thinking of this big picture and how I've kind of been working on the whole the whole series and and I, and I just want you to be able to put it all in perspective. So it's difficult. It's a challenge. You you understand this. Maybe you don't realize you understand this, but when you read the Bible and you and you read a passage and it's a passage that you've read a hundred times before, but you read it and you say to yourself, uh, consciously or subconsciously, I know I've read this before, but it, it's it's completely new to me today. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah. I think it's something akin to that, that that the word of God, the word of God is alive. It's always fresh. It's always got something new to say to us. Part of this has to do with our perspective, right? That as we get a little bit older, we understand the word of God a little bit better or deeper in a different way. I mean, when we're nine or ten, there's just a certain way that we're going to read the word of God. When we're 20 or 30, it's going to be a little different. When we have kids, it's going to look different. When we, when we are married, it's going to look different. When, when our kids are grown, we're going to start thinking in different ways. So, so you understand that all those different aspects of how you approach the Word of God changes what the Word of God might, might at that point and at that time be able to say to you. It's always, it's always been there, right? But very often our, our own stuff opens us up or closes us off sometimes to what the Word of God has to say. So for, so for me, maybe the parallel to that is, is that when I, go, when I go to figure out what I want to say to you about the Word, it's very often difficult because the Word says so much. And one of my challenges then is to go back to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, you know, there's like three things, three routes we could go here. At least. There's more I'm sure that I don't even, I'm not even aware of because of where I'm at. 
you know, where you've got me on my journey. And it becomes my challenge to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. And usually this happens late on Saturday night or early on Sunday morning to really finally get the, the last. And I'm kind of a crunch guy. I'm kind of, you know, the guy in college who waited and wrote the papers at the end. And, 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 and I thought for a long time, well, that's just I'm just a procrastinator. But what I found out is that's a gift. I mean, that's part of just how God has wired me. Right. I'm, I'm trying to look positively at that. All right. Um, so don't 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 just say, well, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, it's one of the last things I have to do is the point. And I say all that to say, I think, I think you've probably already noticed that, that even in the passages we've gone through already in 1 John, John is saying a whole lot here. John is saying a whole lot. And sometimes, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it, because maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it needs to be said. Maybe you've thought it if you're reading through John as we're going through this series. Or maybe you remember it from reading through John or frankly, maybe uh, anywhere in Scripture. Sometimes it just seems like as you're reading that the author is speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Um, This is pretty this is this is pretty clear for John to I mean, it seems to me that sometimes he's saying this and then sometimes he's saying he's saying that. It gets a little confusing. Sometimes you just wish that it would it would be one or the other. John is going to bounce back and forth on a couple of things. And it's not that he contradicts himself, but, but he has a couple different things to say. Last week, for example, I, I took a path. I chose a path. Hopefully, with God's help, I chose a path through the scripture that we were dealing with. And, and, and listen to some of the, the bounce back and forth as I review what we did last week in, in the word. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, he himself is also in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, however, that we have no sin, so we're back over here, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Am I here or am I in verse nine? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see how he kind of bounces back and forth. We get that very same thing in today's passage, right? My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And we could take that and use other passages in the same letter and we can go to other passages in other letters of the New Testament and even the Old Testament. And we could focus down that road and down that down that emphasis and talk about how we're not supposed to be sinning as a body of believers, as individual believers. Right. And we could we could go that route. And some of you would be very happy for us to go that route. Right. There's some of us that want to focus on that aspect of things and say, listen, sin ought not to be in the church and it ought not to be. But then there are some of us who want to maybe jump to the other side of the coin. And focus not on the first phrase. I'm writing these things so that you're not sinning. But we want to we want to focus on the fact that he gives us an out, it seems. So on the one hand, don't sin. But then in the same breath, before he even finishes that that sentence, he starts telling us what happens if we do sin. And that we have an advocate, we have somebody who's someone who's taken the wrath of God away for us. So what do we do with these things? Um, you know, maybe the easiest answer, maybe the easiest thing for me to say is, is to say, well, we have to embrace both of them, and we do. We do not have the privilege to go to the Word of God and decide which, 
which journey, which road we want to go down. Now, as a preacher, again, back to my challenge, I have, I have a challenge. And last week I chose, I chose sides. And you remember last week that the emphasis of our message was, listen, stop trying to hide your sin. It's there. If you say it's not there, the Bible says you're lying. Not only will it not do you any good to hide your sin, but it doesn't do the body of Christ any good, and it doesn't do the world any good. And we went back to Acts 19. You remember that passage? The story of the uh, sons of Sceva who were trying to uh, cast out demons in the same way that Paul was casting out demons, but, but they didn't have Paul's power to do so, and they were using the name of Jesus, and they were using the name of Paul, and the demon turns around and says to them, what? I know Paul and I know the name Jesus, but I don't know you. And they slap them naked, take their clothes and send them on their way. And everyone hears about this. And the next verse says that at the hearing of the power of God, of of what was happening through Paul and how these demons responded to, to a fraud, it says that those who were believers started bringing their junk and, and, and bringing their sin and confessing it and, and laying it out and, and, and dealing with it. And based on that, it says other people started bringing their stuff and, and the kingdom gets expanded. And at the end of that, you remember, the, you remember the last verse in that passage, Acts 19? Go back if you have your Bibles. I'm going to flip back because I want you to hear this. It was an important verse. Acts 19, I think it's verse 20. It says this, So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. And so we kind of worked backwards last week and we said, Hey, if we want the Word of God here at Cornerstone Church and in, in our community to be, to be doing what it is capable of doing, if we want the Word of the Lord to be growing mightily and prevailing among us, then we have to work backwards and say, well, how do we get there? How did, how did they get there in Acts 19? Well, they got there because, because there was a, a foundation of open confession, of a willingness to say, you know what? I'm not without sin. And we talked about briefly that uh, it does you no good because God sees you. He sees everything, right? He sees the good, bad, and the ugly. Ugly. He, he knows you completely, as our friend Brian might say, and, and yet loves you still. You've heard me say this before. It does us no good to try and hide our stuff from God. But it does us corporately no good for you to try and hide your stuff from each other. Now, I know, I know we wear our masks and we get embarrassed and we don't want everyone to know everything about us. But listen, the point was that there's value in us bringing our stuff before one another. There's value not just for you and freedom that it brings you to just be yourself, even, even, even the stuff that's, that's not so pleasant. To be yourself in front, of, in front of those who love you brings you great freedom. But not only that, it brings great freedom and encouragement and challenge to those who are around you who hear your willingness to confess this was happening in Acts 19. They brought their stuff. And other people said, well, I'll bring my stuff. And because of that, the word of God was able to prevail and grow mightily among them. That, that's the route we, we took from John. Hey, don't, don't take your sin and just hide it. We, we could have taken the route and, and very, very, uh, very convincingly so, we could have taken the route that just focused on, listen, don't walk in the darkness. If you got the sin, let's deal with the sin. Let's take care of the sin. Those are, those are sermons that must be preached. There's plenty, plenty left in 1 John, and, and we may get there. 
I could do the same thing with today's message. That, that's really my point. I could do the same thing. We could, we could land on the side that says, little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you would not sin anymore. And we could talk about how, as a church, we need to stop sin. We need to stop going against the Word of God. We need to stop going against the will of God. If, if you're contemplating cheating on your taxes, we need to, we need to be, be willing to say that's sin. If you're contemplating uh, cheating on your spouse, we need to be willing to say, no, that's, that's sin. We can't go that route. Stop sinning. I mean, there are days and times where you and your personal relationship with God, you need, just need to deal with sin. There are days and times that we as a church, we need to challenge sin in our lives. And if you're thinking about going in a way that is contrary to the will of God and to the word of God, the revealed word of God, or to what he's put on your conscience, then you've then you, you got to understand that that's sin. And we, we can't do that. Little children, I would say to you, we, we, we've got to stop the sin. I, I don't want to go that route, though. All right? And I've done a pretty good job of covering all those things, right? <laughs> Without actually now going down that road. But I will tell you that I think there's going to be a passage or two because John doesn't give up on on that side of the coin very easily. You're going to see him bounce back and forth in chapter 2, 3, and through the rest of the letter. We're going to find one of these Sundays that uh, we're there. Today, I'm going to take a similar path that I took last week. And for all of those who are out on the last-minute vacations this week, uh, they're missing the easy one, maybe. <laughs> they're going to come in in a few weeks, and they're going to get, they're going to get the, the message that, that lands squarely on, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. Today, I want to focus on the second half of that verse. But the reason I want to focus on the second half of that verse is because of the first phrase of the verse. And it's not the only time that Paul uses, not Paul, John, uses that phrase in his letters. But he refers to us as what? Little children. I think there is a tone here that needs to be focused on. I think there's a tone here in Scripture that is a, a gracious tone, that is a forgiving tone, that is a compassionate, a loving, and a heartfelt begging tone, a beseeching tone, a tone where John's heart is for you and I as a father's heart is for their children. Not only do I think that's John's heart, but I think as the divine author writes through John, I think that's the heart of our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, who sees us as his little children. So is sin serious? Do we need to deal with it? We sure do. It can't be swept under the rug. In fact, John won't sweep it under the rug even, even in, the, in the latter phrases of this. But he's going to do something, I think, that, that's worth focusing on John's intent his hope his goal his desire is that we don't sin that's clear but how does he get there I mean you make a statement like that that says we got to stop the sin that's pretty strong then you got to you got to take note of how okay now how are you going to get there he gets there maybe in a way you wouldn't expect Notice what he says to convict us. 
He says words of great comfort and he says them to children. If you sin, we, he includes himself here as one of the children of God, we have an advocate with the Father. In your scripture, advocate should be capitalized because he's really talking about a person. Not just a position. We have an advocate with the Father and he names him Jesus He is the Christ, to be clear. That's his role. That's the part he's played in history. And he is qualified because he is the righteous. He's exactly what we find ourselves not to be. We are part of the sin category, and Jesus is not. He is, in fact, the righteous one. And so, therefore, he he qualifies to be an advocate on our behalf. An advocate you understand, could be also understood as a lawyer. Now, why do we need a lawyer in heaven? Hmm. Why do the believers need a lawyer or an advocate in heaven? Because verse 2 says, He Himself, that's Jesus, so on the one hand, He's the advocate, the person is Jesus. Now, on the other hand, look at what it says about this person of Jesus. He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. That's a $10 theological seminary word, so let me unpack it for you. Propitiation means, if you were going to look it up in a theological dictionary, it would say something like this. Propitiation is the removal of the wrath of God against sinners by the death of Jesus. It focuses not just on the fact that we have been forgiven our sins, but it it focuses in on the fact that we have a major problem between us and our Creator. The problem is, is that the the righteous wrath of God is falling down upon us who are in sin as well as it should. And we need help appeasing that wrath. Propitiation doesn't just say we're covered. It's it focuses in and reminds us in a word that without help, the wrath falls on us. And John says that Jesus is not only an advocate standing at the right hand of the Father on our behalf, but he's able to do that job. He's able to take that role because he is he is the propitiation. He's he doesn't just make propitiation. He is the propitiation. He can be that because he is the righteous one. So you might ask yourself if he's accomplished this, if he is in his death. By his blood, he has kept us from the wrath of God. Why do we need an advocate in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? In the court of heaven, why do we need a lawyer to to take our side, believers? Um, Maybe it's because we continue to sin. Maybe it's because even though all of our sin and and the complete wrath of God has been taken care of through his his role as... uh, I'm going to try and say this right... Propitiatory, I don't know how to say it. Sorry. Good try, thank you. Maybe it's because we keep, we keep bringing sin up in our life. What I, what I think you should focus on, however, is not why do we continue to need this advocate, but, but how does he get this role? And really, I think it's best understood to see Jesus as, as not doing one and the other, but doing both and at the same time. Think about it this way. Jesus 
because he has, has taken the wrath of God upon his own shoulders so that we don't have to, that makes him capable of now in the very presence of God in the courtroom of heaven, it makes him the only one with the capacity to stand on our behalf. So what is John trying to say here? What are his great words of comfort that are really words to challenge us so that we might not sin? They're this. Listen, in heaven, in the courtroom of heaven, when, by the way, your adversary who likes to come and accuse you before the Father, children of God. Did you know that? That our great adversary likes to, a la the story of Job, likes to go before the 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 creator of all the universe, and say, well, what about this guy? What about this stuff in his life? There is one who comes to accuse us. There's one who comes calling us guilty as charged in the courtroom of heaven. It's pretty nice to know. It's pretty amazing to know that the one who, who pulled back, who restrains now by his own death, burial and resurrection, the wrath of God, he now waits in that courtroom. And any time, any time your sins are brought to bear before God, he lays out his, his lawyer's portfolio. And it, it's not a portfolio of your good deeds. It's a, it's, it's a record of his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a record of his crucifixion. It's a record of his beatings. It's, it's in his hands before the Father a record of his righteousness that is on your behalf, credited to your account, so that the accuser has no grounds to call you guilty. And so John now can very easily say, little children, I'm writing to you so that you, you don't sin. And in the same breath say, now, here's, here's, how, here's how you stop. It's by the acknowledgement. It's by the understanding. It's by the, it's by the owning the fact that not only do we have sins, but there is one who on our behalf has taken care of not just covering our sins, but the wrath of God that was coming down upon our sins He's not only withheld that, but because he's done that, he has the right now to stand in heaven, ever present at the right hand of the Father. And anytime there's any accusation brought against you in the courtroom of heaven, he's able to stand in your defense. There's a song we sing. I don't even remember the title of it. Your blood speaks a better word. And all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. Jesus, the Christ, the righteous one, he stands in our defense. He stands in our defense. Little children. I got to thinking about uh, that phrase and why you would use that kind of phrase when you're going to say something as strong as, I'm writing so that you do not sin. Do you hear the compassion? Do you hear the, the parenting in John's voice? Do you hear the love of God flowing through this human author? I hope you do. I started thinking about it this way. You know, what, what, a, what, a, what do children really need? Parents, you know, I mean, you've read books, right? You've done some research on this if you've got kids, hopefully. 
you, you've thought about it a little bit. Kids, I hope your parents have thought about it a little bit. What, what do our kids need? Interaction time. You tell me. What are some of the basic needs of our children? Time? Okay. Guidance? Okay. Love? Forgiveness? Correction sometimes? What else? What do the psychologists say that our children need? Base, foundational things. Anybody seen the pyramid? Yeah. They need security, right? Boundaries. What else? Examples to follow. Great. Maybe you could use the word mentors. What else do they need? Do they need to feel safe? Do they need to feel secure? Do they need any any level of consistency in their life? Have you ever, have you ever thought that? Yeah. I mean, think back to when you were a child. Think back maybe to the things that you did not receive that you know now as an adult would have helped you had you received those as a child. Anybody willing to name a few of those? I mean, you've got them in your heart and mind, I'm sure. And maybe you've never thought about them in individual words, but they're there. I mean, we have this, we have this idea of we know children are needy. We know they need specific things. Now, I say all that to say this. John uses the word. He uses it many times in this, in this one letter. We are called the children of God. Don't you know that we need stuff? Don't you know that, that the correlation of God calling us His children you know, is no mistake? Don't you know that the fact that He, he is our Father, using, using that picture is no mistake on God's part? So that we can turn around and say, all right, we, we understand, especially as we experience being parents, or even from our own childhood, we understand that as, as children, there are some foundational things they need. I mean, I mean they need provision. I mean, they, they, they can't just fend for themselves. We, we need to be given food, and we need to be taught how to put on clothes and keep ourselves warm. We need this sense of security. We need a sense of community. We need, we need consistency. We just know some of those basic things about what children need, right? Now, now, take those things and apply them to yourself as children of God. Listen, you need those things. The Word of God knows you need those things. John, who addresses you and I as little children. Not just children, but little children. Maybe there's a connotation of even more innocent, more fragile. But he's talking to grown-ups here. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to people who are supposed to have some maturity. And he's going to tell them not to sin, but, he, but his heart is, kids, listen. Listen. I'm writing this to you. Let's be very clear. I don't want you to sin. How am I going to get you there? Parents, do you ever have that moment? You just take a deep breath and you say, I know where I want my children. I know the direction I want them heading. How in the world am I going to get them there? Can I tell you one of the preferred methods of our Heavenly Father? It's through, it's through grace, love, security, provision, protection. All those things that we need as children. He treats us like children. In a good way. Not in a degrading way, but in a, in a valuable way. As we value the needs of our children, God the Father treats us that way. He loves us that way. 
You hear it coming out of the words of John. Little children, I don't want you to sin. How am I going to get you there? Here's, here's Here's maybe a good way. Remember, remember something. We have one who stands on our behalf. It's Jesus, the Christ, the one foretold of long ago. The righteous one. The one who is able, capable, the only one who qualifies. He stands on our behalf. He's, he's taken on the wrath of God upon his own shoulders so we don't have to. And now he's not done. He's ever present before the Father. And any time your sin, your sin comes before him, he, he shows the Father his side. He shows the Father the scars. And he says, yeah, it's covered. It's covered. Now, I don't think the Father needs a reminder. Do you? I mean, I don't think the Father forgets it. I don't think he's missed it. Right? Who do you think the reminder is for? Who do you think John wants to know that there is an ever-interceding advocate on their behalf? I think it's the little children. It's the me. It's the you. Because we, we forget and very often we, we get afraid to come home. We get afraid to run to dad. We think that maybe he'll, he'll be upset. <laughs> he keeps telling us. He keeps telling us. It's covered. I love you no matter what. How many of you have tried to communicate that, that amazing thought to your children and they just kind of look at you and, and you understand that they, they, they can't comprehend it, but you keep saying it. Listen, no matter what, I love you. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's no mistake you can make. There's no error. There's no, there's no road you can go down that, that I won't love you. It's ingrained as you as a parent. Don't you know that that was built into you to be an example of how God loves you? John's aim is that we not sin. His strategy to free us from sin is that unique biblical combination of warning and consolation. Threat and promise. Caution and encouragement. Tough and tender. John was just like his master. We need to hear about the ominous danger of living in sin. We need that. And we need to hear the unspeakable good news that Christ our Advocate has removed the wrath of God from those who trust in Him. The warning guards us against presumption and instills vigilance in the Christian walk. The consolation guards us against despair and instills the courage of hope. And vigilant hope in God is the power that overcomes sin. I think of Romans 2.4, one of my favorite verses. It is the goodness of God, it's His kindness that leads us to, what is the word? Anybody know? Repentance. Now God in His divine authorship and His divine plan could have chosen anything to lead us to repentance. Could have been His great power, His authority, His wisdom. I'm God, you're not. Do what I tell you to do. Stop sinning. But the Word of God says that He leads us. It's the idea that that He doesn't yank us. He directs us. He leads us, ushers us into repentance. (laughs) He helps us towards repentance. How about that? The Father in heaven helps us towards repentance. And how does he do it? He helps us that way 
by His kindness, His goodness. I think John would say amen to that, Paul. I think John would say, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. Paul would say of his own personal walk with the Lord that the love of God compels me. It draws me. The Father of Heaven draws me with with cords of love. That's his choice. That's his choice way of treating his children and guiding us towards repentance. Should we not sin? You better believe it. Should we be diligent and vigilant towards that end? You better believe it. You know what we also need to hear, though? We need to hear the glorious goodness of the Father who would send the Son, His only Son, to be an advocate on our behalf. You see, the Father had to have an answer for His wrath because His wrath is righteous, because His wrath is towards the sin of humanity. And God had to punish, and God's wrath justifiably has to come down on sin. But that very same God who knows that has to happen, found a way to appease his own wrath, not, not sweep it under the rug. Now, he didn't, he didn't play sleight of hand here. He didn't just say, ah, forget about it. We'll, we'll give him a pass on that one. The righteous creator God found a way to appease his own wrath so that justice could be served and you could be free. I don't know about you, but understanding that makes me want to sin a little bit less. A little bit less. Can I leave you with one thing? Every now and then I have a, a quote, a guy named John Piper. And some of you have read some of John Piper stuff. And uh, uh, very often uh, you'll say to me after you've read or tried to read a John Piper book, that guy is He's on another level. I, like I, had a, I just had to stop reading because I didn't understand the words coming out of his mouth. Um, he, he has that tendency. And uh, I'm with you there. I kind of read. Uh, my comprehension is very poor. I've got to read things like three or four times before I really comprehend it. If it's anything above a sixth grade reading level, I've got to read it a few times. Uh, thank goodness that most things in the world are written on a sixth grade reading level and below. Did you know that? Most theologians don't follow that trend. They kind of they, they try and write as lofty as they can. But um, when John Piper preached on this passage, um, he didn't use very, uh, very lofty words. As he made his final point in this passage. And I think it's a good place for us to end. John's final point was this. Don't hog Jesus for yourselves. That's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? Don't hog Jesus for yourselves. Where does he get that? He gets it from the last phrase of verse 2. And that's where we'll end. After everything we've just talked about, don't leave off John's last phrase. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. But don't miss this. Don't gloss over this. Don't just pass this by. Don't so focus on the last things that you missed this. Because here's a whole other route we could take, right? Here's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but I'm just going to give a piece of it to you. Don't hog Jesus for yourself. 
If he's that good, the heart of John says, he's not, he's not just for us. He's not just the advocate for us. He's not just the propitiation for our sins, but, but for who? The whole world. But for the whole world. And so that gives us a purpose, doesn't it? It gives us a task and it gives us a responsibility and a duty to not hog Jesus for ourselves. Because there's a whole, whole world out there of little children who are yet to be born again. They don't have the light in their dark world that you have. They don't have the benefit of an advocate standing on their behalf. And if they, if they have to face their Creator today on their own, then they have to shoulder the wrath of the justice, the righteous justice of the Creator God. And that's a shame because you and I have an answer. And it's in a person, one who would be their advocate and their covering of that wrath. Don't hog Jesus for yourself. Let's pray. Lord, Your Word is... uh, It's been said that it's shallow enough for the smallest child to jump right in and be safe and secure. But it's deep enough for the greatest theologian to never touch the bottom, to never reach the bottom. Lord, your word has has so many facets that it uh, makes a diamond look like a just a common rock. We go to it and it is alive and it speaks to us. I pray that it is spoken to those who are gathered before it today. As we've gathered at your feet, Lord, we, we came saying we wanted to be changed. As we open your word, Lord, we, we find reasons to be different this morning. We find reasons for our hearts to be different this morning. We find reasons for our countenance to be lifted this morning. Because we're the little children. And we found out maybe this morning, maybe it's become clear in a whole new way. We found out that we're covered. And the wrath will not come near us. But not only that, that your son has not quit working. And he stands on our behalf. Lord, we need you. We need you. We're so glad that that you provide for our needs because we are your little children. And our needs are great. So we wave the white flag this morning and say, Lord, we don't stand on our own behalf. But we stand weak. We say that, yeah, there's sin here. And we don't flaunt it. We don't brag about that. We, we like Paul and John, we hate our sin. We hate it because of how much you've loved us. Your goodness and your kindness, Lord, they they drive us towards repentance. And so, Lord, we're going to take a moment before we leave. And we're going to stand to our feet. But we're going to be silent if we need to be. We're going to stare at the floor if we need to. We're going to, we're going to come to the altar and get on our knees if we need to. We're, going to just, we're, just, going to, we're just going to sit back down if we have to. Because we, we want to deal with whatever sin is residing in us. If we brought it in today and it's not been dealt with. If it's not something that we're already struggling with. Lord, we, we've, got to, we've got to be brave this morning and say that we want to confront it. 
it's not your will, if it's not the direction you have for our life, if, if, we're, if we're planning on taking our family in a, in, a, in a direction that's not of you, then, Lord, we've got we to gotta find a, a, a way towards your path. If there's, if there's sin in our hidden life, we've got we to confess it this morning, Lord. We've got to deal with it. Because you love us so much, we've got to deal with it. May your goodness and your kindness lead, lead each of us to some measure of repentance this morning. So that John's prayer that we would not sin, so that it would come to pass. It's the prayer of this pastor as well. We pray in Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.